0: It is another day, guys, in the Cryer Media Empire. And what that means is just it's another podcast on Cryer, brought to you by the folks at Cryer Media. And I am here today because, look, when the Eagles actually won me some money on Sunday, there's one guest in particular I had to get. And even though they lost, I don't know what's better to do or say, but we have a Giants fan to talk about an <laughs> Eagles loss in the Super Bowl. Jared Silberkleit is back. This That's is episode right. 216 of YWC Football Talk. I know it's the offseason, but how are we feeling? Are we good? Did we
1: enjoy the game? Did we enjoy the season? Absolutely. What's not to like? The Eagles lost the Super Bowl. The Eagles lost the Super Bowl on national television, got exposed in front of the whole wide world. Oh, Jalen, he will let you down. He will make you hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but – my I, I was saying this
0: the other day. My biggest takeaway from the game, like, look, we can say what we want about that holding call, like, it is what it is. It happened, but all in all, we got a good game of football, and I think that's all really people were asking for. Just because the Super Bowl the last few years, there there has I don't I can't
1: recall the last time as a partisan fan of a Super Bowl that we got a game that good. Yep. No. It, it actually it absolutely lived up to expectations. Um, particularly like, you know, when you get the one-and-one, sometimes it doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to. I mean, I remember, what was it, 10 years ago, Broncos and Seahawks, the anticipation for that game was through the roof. It was like the irresistible force meets the immovable object. It's the best defense versus the best offense, and it was a blowout. So, and and honestly, probably there was a little bit of bias uh, inside of me, but I kind of thought going into the game, I was like, The Eagles really haven't been in a game like this all year where they've been challenged to go blow for blow, drive for drive with another elite team for 60 minutes. I really wasn't sure how they were going to respond. And I I kind of thought that the Chiefs were going to win this one a little bit more easily than they did. I think I was in the minority. And as it turned out, it was a really tight game all the way through. And I think it's going to probably go down as a top 10 Super Bowl. You know, wall, like wire to wire, it was a great game, thrilling finish. I don't really – I mean, the holding call, I mean, I know people are upset about it, but it's a little ticky-tacky, but it was also correct. I mean, I think that we've seen far worse calls to be upset about this season alone than something like that. Even Bradbury himself admitted they got me. I thought I was going to get away with it. I didn't. Yeah, the, the only thing – like, I know you're a rival of them. The only thing I
0: don't like saying though is when people are like, oh, but the Eagle the team was fraud. See, we told you so. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing I like I know like look you get the relish in the moment when a rival loses but yes. it's like it's like when Buffalo lost I wasn't out there calling them frauds I was just kind of saying they're like guys like you shouldn't have hyped them up as much as people should have but I think the Eagles though can leave this with their heads held high being like hey, we got here, not saying that no one expected them to get here, but I don't think anyone expected them to be as dominant as what they were. Like we had a lot of cases with that, like including the Eagles, your Giants. There were a lot of teams this year that exceeded expectations. So for everyone going, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Guys, you have to take a step back and realize that every year in the NFL, you get teams like this. They could be teams that are in a wild card spot, like your Giants once again, or the Eagles that are flat out dominant. It's just, look, when everyone even says to like, oh, they, but they played the schedule this way. Like you're supposed to win. Uh, Let's put it this way. In the NFL, if you win the games, you're supposed to win. You're going to go far. And even you got to steal a few here and there
1: too. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, I I wouldn't really uh, go into the camp of saying that the Eagles were a fraudulent team. I do think that they, you know, all season long, they, like you said, they took care of business. You're supposed to win what's in front of you. I think that, you play you play the balls, it lies, um, their schedule was what it was. and the NFC this year, there was really a large gap between the haves and the have nots more so than any really any other season I can remember in recent memory, just where you had you know one division w- with the NFC South, I think it was clear that none of those teams were serious contenders at any point in the season. even the Buccaneers only reason they got to the postseason was just because that division had to produce a winner. And then you look NFC East. It was Eagles, Cowboys, Giants. Uh, surprised, but they weren't quite ready for the next level. The Vikings were. This was just kind of a, the Vikings go through phases where, like you know, some years there are better than others, but it's generally the same <laughs> kind of a story with them. Um, and then the NFC West uh, was was interesting. I mean, the 49ers, I do. I definitely think that if Brock Purdy was healthy for that entire game, I'm not saying that they would have won, but they certainly could have. And if they made it to the Super Bowl, I think that they might have been able to take down the Chiefs. It would have been an interesting story, too, as a rematch from Mahomes' first Super Bowl. So I, was, I think that that was kind of disappointing, just the fact that Curdy's injury robbed us of what could have been a a great NFC Championship game and to a completely different postseason because it was no coincidence that the second they got Christian McCaffrey they go on that crazy winning streak. I mean, the only only other game they lost was the first game that he showed up in and he wasn't even available for a hundred percent. So I do. I mean, I give credit to the Eagles, though. They have a really stacked team. I think uh, Jalen Hurts played the game of his life in the Super Bowl. If the Eagles had won, we would have been talking about how Jalen Hurts had one of the best performances by a quarterback in Super Bowl history. So a lot of credit to him. There's a lot of talent on that team. Uh, Really, they won in the trenches all season long. Dominant offensive line, dominant defensive line. I think ultimately, you know. Coaching wise, I I don't, I don't think Sirianni really uh, did anything that was the stroke of genius this year, and some players kind of called them out for that. But they've got a lot to be proud of this season.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot. There's a lot to be proud of for them. And then switching to the Chiefs, I I like I like the fact that like look, they won in a year when no one thought they would win. But I was always on the boat of like they're going to be there because it's like we've seen this time and time again. And I know this especially as a Patriots fan. All those years that people began to write off Tom Brady or say oh, but he doesn't have this, or may not he have his luster. I'm like, guys, as long as 15's there and 87, because I don't want to the big deal. I'm like, oh, it's like they didn't have a wide receiver one. 15 and 87 are there. They're going to be a dominant force. Um, it's just for me, the Super Bowl was always like a toss-up because we have the side of where if the Eagles win, the fan base was just going to be like, you'd probably hate yourself again for it and then if the chiefs won you have the media over exaggerating it which some have but some haven't like i like the fact that even patrick said it that it's like hey we're not talking dynasty yet which because for my golden rule is three i know i had some people say to me like oh but they've made so many conference championships in a row and so and so and i'm just like calling this team a dynasty right now this isn't a shot at you guys it'd be like calling you know your giants uh, like you know what i mean right like how it's like yeah the giants had that run from 2007 and 2011 two rings in a four-year period it's the same sort of metric with the chiefs but my thing now is look they got two you're in a class all of your own once you get to two that's where it's like hey you're here
1: so now i think that for next year what's stopping them from getting number three of course i mean i think that this season really was a okay The Chiefs are now at that – they're at that Patriots level. Mahomes is at the Tom Brady level where every single season, just because he's there, they are going to be a Super Bowl threat. Because you look at this year, they lose Tyreek Hill. They absolutely did not have a viable WR1 all season long. I mean, they – you know, there was no wide receiver on that team that came anywhere close to being, a. oh, look, this guy stepped up in Tyreek Hill's place, and now he's a, a must-have guy if you're a fantasy over. He is Mahomes' new favorite target. No, it was really always Travis Kelsey. And then week in, week out, there was kind of a revolving door. Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling had a couple really big games this year. Juju had a couple of big games this year. There were games where he would uncork one to Justin Watson. You know, he was always <laughs> creating plays. And yeah, yeah it, it, the script kind of changed week to week, but Mahomes is just that good that he was able to, no matter who was the recipient of it, the production was still there week in and week out. But I'm with you. I would pull back on calling him a dynasty. I'd say that we're just at that point where it's perennial contender. You know, he's yes. Mahomes is unquestionably the best quarterback in the league right now. I mean, his resume at this point is the most impressive of any quarterback at this experience level in NFL history. I mean, it absolutely blows away Brady and Peyton at this stage of their careers just how how sharp he is and just how he's able to create something out of nothing time and time again. I mean, I don't think I've seen a quarterback that, you know, with so many plays that get busted up and he's about to get sacked and, you know, he's twisted around, he's on the wrong side of the field. He has to sidearm the ball and still finds a way to make a completion. I mean, we've seen that, you know, from him repeatedly over the last several years and even on a bum ankle, he was still able to orchestrate, you know, this comeback and everything. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too. Like even for the
0: AFC this year, like you, the, you know, the AFC West is stacked. It it's like, oh, there's gonna be four playoff teams. Where I'm like, oh, the Broncos are gonna be this team. The Chargers are gonna come up. The Raiders have all this potential. Two of the four didn't even make the playoffs, and one of them did, and they blew a huge lead. So that's where mm-hmm. I keep saying, like, guys, just because a team wins the offseason doesn't mean that they're guaranteed a playoff berth. It's the NFL. It's any given Sunday. It's like the Chiefs. The Chiefs 2022 season. Although this team is in a different sport they didn't win championship, it's like the Yankees in a way. Like, look, the Yankees 2022 offs like, the, the, not this going into this season. The Yankees going mm-hmm. into last season, they didn't really do anything to wow people, and they just went out there and they started winning games. Judge had this unbelievable year, wins MVP, breaks the AL home run title, and then obviously they got swept in the ALCS. But still, no one expected the Yankees to be as dominant as they were, and it's like the same thing too. So, like, when you look at in-sport comparison, you can say, like, if the – Aaron Judge and Patrick Mahomes are basically like the same kind of player for their team that when they're clicking on full cylinders, they yep. can take their team a very far distance. And that's something that you want in this league. That's something that you need. Now, like you have Vegas where, look, there's going to be a new quarterback there next year and the defense is still horrendous. You have the Broncos, which no one knows what you're going to get out of the Broncos. It's just, just because Sean Payton's there doesn't mean, hey, you're going to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And then with the Chargers, if you ask me, Brandon Staley's on one of the hottest seats in the NFL this coming season. Yeah, but
1: the Chargers to me, actually, a little bit of sympathy for them. Just the fact that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missing as much time as they did undoubtedly hampered this team and made them very vulnerable. And I know that we're just coming off talking about the Chiefs, how, you know, Mahomes are working with, uh, you know, a kind of subpar supporting cast. Although I wouldn't quite say subpar, I would just say unimpressive would be the word, you know, middle of the pack, middle of the pack. There were playmakers on that team, but the, the chargers were, I think, really thin losing those guys who represent a very, very deadly one, two punch. I mean, that's right up there with the Eagles with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith for sure. So I think Herbert is still, you know, top five, even if it's fringe top five, um, it's kind of – to me, this postseason with them, it kind of came down to Chargers going to Charger, where there's just like something in the water over with that organization that's been there for a while where like – it's almost like that cowboy syndrome where you just know that they're going to screw up no matter how good they look on paper. So, I mean, I, I do have a lot of respect for Herbert. I really – I like seeing him play and, you know, I want to see him succeed. I think that they probably have the most um, upside in that division outside of the Chiefs. But, again, with the Chiefs standing in their way – It's going to be an uphill battle once again. They're probably going to be going the wild card routes. They're going to have to win some games on the road. So, unfortunately, it could just be like where they're in Mahomes' shadow due to to having to play the same division. And as for the Broncos, I mean, you know, yeah, Sean Payton coming over there is great. But we thought that Russell Wilson coming over there was great. We thought he was going to be the savior. And I think that what we've seen in the league is that when you make a wholesale change like that, if it's a new head coach, a new quarterback – You have to give it you have to give the system time to develop and you have to see how it develops before you start making all these bold predictions that, you know, just this this one addition at leadership is going to automatically elevate a team because we've seen it all throughout league history. It's not just about the ingredients. It's about how they coalesce.
0: You can't, basically, it's also like to like, say if you have a steak, you have a nice juicy steak, Mm -hmm. you can't just throw that thing on the grill and marinate and expect it to be amazing. You got to let it sit. You got to marinate it. You got to, whether you're saucing, whether you're seasoning it, you got to do something. You just can't throw a raw piece of meat on the grill and expect it to taste amazing. You have to give it that flavor and hope that, hey, if you want to combine flavors, that it all works together. Like for example, I remember everyone was raving about like the, well, for one, like, when you look at the city of New York for football, like the Jets coming out of the draft, everyone's saying, you know what, oh, this team had a great draft, they're ready to go. They fell on their face once again. And then your Giants, look, I know they're still reeling for the David Ganiman years, but the fact that Joe Shane was able to do so much with so little shows proof that this team, hey, there's something to watch out for coming down. Now, I'm not coming out here saying that the Giants are back to being Super Bowl contenders, but they're that team that going into the next season, everyone's so going to um... be – there's a system in place. Foundation, leadership. The, the fact, too, that, hey, you keeping the coaching staff together not after one year, it's just like, oh, hey, cool, these guys are going to go bounce and take head coaching jobs. No, they're showing that there's cohesion. They're showing that there's wanting to build something special in there, and that's what you can ask for with a team, like when you guys are able to keep Kafka, keep Wink. Um, you're going to see improvements from – I think Evan Neal's going to have a – not a big second year, but I think you're going to see improvements from him. I still think he was a pretty raw talent. Uh, yeah. Thibodeau is for – I know he had the Nick Foles and the Jeff Saturday stuff, but he's still a hell of a player. And the only real question is, is what can you do to add around him? Because I know there's so much in house. So that's the thing with the NFL where it's literally a moving organism to where look, it's February 15th right now. The season starts September 7th and we're, we can go on and on and talk about all this when you, then you look at a team too, like in your division Dallas, which we don't know what's going on there. And there's going to be some pretty big overhaul. I think there, like, who knows if Dalton Schultz stays? Who knows what happens at running back? And then with the Eagles—they can keep it together all they want, but I think there's some guys that might retire, or some guys that might walk. So when you
1: look at that, there's
0: nothing like the NFL, baby. That's all yeah. I got to say.
1: No, absolutely, not absolutely right on the money. I mean, um, speaking to the NFC East for a moment, um, I, I'm really excited about uh, you know how our division is shaping up. I feel like respectability has finally been restored, just because during those peak Eli Manning years, the NFC East was big time box office. Like, you know, those were major primetime games constantly. Um, Really any combination of the four in certain years, there were even some years where Washington wasn't half bad and there were some money matchups there, but it, you know, it was like every time there was a divisional clash, everybody was talking about it all across the league had playoff implications. Um, Giants and Cowboys squared off in a bunch of like, you know, big time games. Back in the day. It's
0: always primetime or 425 now. At least one of those games.
1: I feel like we played Dallas in Dallas um, in the Sunday night primetime slot week one of every season. It felt that way for a while. (laughs) And, yeah, I definitely missed that. And with this, you know, just really dark period in franchise history ever since uh, Coughlin left. And I feel like we're getting back there where just seeing – how much progress we were able to make with such limited financial resources. And the biggest changes to the organization were, you know, the overhaul at general manager and coaching staff and seeing all of our existing players, many of whom were labeled draft busts. You know, we're talking about high picks like Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence, just being labeled as these like, you know, lost causes and everybody's taking a step forward under this, New leadership. I was so happy right there with you when we found out that we're keeping Wink and Kafka. I did not want to see those guys go. We 100% are not ready for a new defensive coordinator or a new offensive coordinator. And honestly, if you think about it from the perspective of a guy like Mike Kafka, you're a first-year OC. I think he's like 34 years old, 35 years old. It's like, do you really want to go to Arizona, where the team's probably not going to be very good? You got to deal with this Kyler Murray prima donna shtick. It's
0: You're a write-off gonna... year for the Cardinals. Hmm? It's a yeah. r- 2023, 100% is a write-off year for the Cardinals. It's just yeah. look ahead to next year.
1: Yep, exactly. And it's like, so just given the coaching turnover in this league, and the idea that even if it's not necessarily like. The coach's fault when you're in a situation like that. Coaches are on a short leash. You really only have a couple of years to prove that things are heading in the right direction. He's going to wind up being the scapegoat in a situation like that. And now, you know, you're in the Joe Judge situation where you're a first year head coach in your mid 30s for two years doesn't work out. And now you're back to the same spot that you were in before. Why not? You're Stay in this role as offensive coordinator. Become a really, really good offensive coordinator as we add more pieces to what is clearly, in my opinion, a, de- a developing offense. And then give it five years or so. Then you're really ready. You know. Then you become. Then you become like Brian Dayball.
0: Yeah, exactly. To where it's like, hey, this guy's finally ready. Like I know everyone says it with Eric Bieniemy too. It's like, why is this guy not head coach? This, this, this. Like Between you and me, I think that's a handshake agreement that he's going to eventually take over for the Chiefs once Mm -hmm. Reid retires. But with you guys, it's one of those things where you can ask for this right now and it's all you wanted, a competitive team, a team on Sundays that you know, hey, look, there's going to be some bad games, but there's a lot of the times where you can go on there and know, hey, we have a fighting chance in every game. There's one other thing I'm going to say about the Giants too because I know I lost a bet and I owe someone a Daniel Jones Love Fest episode which will be coming out (laughs) sometime offseason. But one of my favorite bets I made this year was week one, Giants, plus five and a half at the Tennessee Titans. It was, just something, it was a bet I really liked because I'll be honest with you, I kind of saw the cracks in the Tennessee armor before a lot of other people did. I was just like, I think this is the year they take a step back. The Tannehill season's kind of worn off, especially after they traded A.J. Brown too. I wasn't sold on them. And then when I saw you guys at plus five and a half, I'm like, week one, you always get like those sneaky, sneaky games to where it's just, you know, hey, like, some teams win that aren't supposed to and the Giants at plus five and a half seemed like pretty good
1: money so I yeah that was really I mean that really set the tone I mean week one obviously you know getting the win was nice but um that, that really really that game it's like I'm watching it unfold and you know first half we I think we were shut out and it's like okay here we go again you know we got the new coaches but once again nothing has changed yeah the defense is playing a little bit better but we still can't do anything on offense and then it's like oh Saquon? Uh, beast mode? We won? Huh? <laughs> and it, that kind of set the tone for the season, I thought. So uh, I'm really excited to see how this offseason plays out now that we have a little bit more financial flexibility. And just knowing that Shane and Dayball came from Buffalo, they know what worked in terms of helping Josh Allen progress and advance his career. I'm sure that they're looking to add some premium talent at wide receiver. You know, th- there's they they had to have been super frustrated that they had Kenny Galladay out there that they pay, you know, the team was paying all this money for and he wasn't able to contribute to them at all. It might, it definitely was the worst signing in team history. And I'm sure they're looking to make up for that. He's coming off the books. They are probably going to be in a position in the draft to take a wide receiver. So they're, they're definitely looking to add some talent. They got to open up that playbook. I mean, they were opening up the playbook against the Vikings with Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton and Richie James. So, I can only imagine what it would look like if we had, you know, a real number one in
0: there. For a real number one though, do you look towards the draft or do you look towards uh free agency just cuz when you look at the free agency class, that's the thing with wide receivers this year. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anyone big. The biggest guys is Jacoby Myers and then Juju Smith-Schuster, which I still think there's going to be a team out there that has n- he either stays in KC for cheap again or I think a team that's just really bad pays a lot of money for them. Kind of like, because we've seen that time and time again, kind of like what Galladay got from you guys. Because, look, that was obviously the regiment regime of old. So that's where I look at it for a lot of these teams where, look, there's a lot of kids in the draft that are going to be really good wide receivers in this league. And if you have a spot the draft and get it, because I know you guys are picking in the 20s, we're picking at 14. There's going to be re- receivers available even in day two and day three because. There's one receiver from your team as well that I don't think will be back next year besides Gallaudet. I think, I think Shepard, I think Shepard's gone.
1: Yeah. Shepard's gone. I mean, honestly, like I, it it sucks because his teammates all love him. The uh, organization clearly likes him to a degree, but he's just so injury prone at this point that uh, you can't make the commitment. And it's a new new start. Yeah. Wants to be out there, but he, he can't be out there. And I mean, I think that, yeah, you're right. I don't think that free agency is really where we're going to be looking for wide receiver upgrades. Um, the crop is just kind of mid and it's like, why would you go for a veteran that, you know, has a kind of a ceiling that's comparable to a lot of what's already on the roster or was on the roster this season? When you can get some fresh, you know, fresh legs out there, get a kid in, you know, with that pick in the mid 20s, possibly a trade target. Um, you know, I could see. I can see possibly some interest in DeAndre Hopkins. I know that he's a little bit up there in age, you know, now that he's in his 30s, but he's too good to hes too good to not inquire about. And, you know, T. Higgins, we've been hearing some rumors that he might be a candidate to be moved just because the Bengals are going to find themselves in a cheap situation where you can't keep everybody. But he could be a guy where financially it would have to work out. I'm sure that, you know, we are definitely in the camp of not – wanting to have another Kenny Galladay type of situation unfold where we're devoting all this capital to a wide receiver.
0: The way I look at the T Higgins situation though, is, is just because besides having to pay Joe Burrow, you got Jamar Chase coming up next year. Joe Mixon got his money payday last last off season. So when you look at that, you have all these positions locked up. They went in and invested heavily in that offensive line. Plus the Bengals being cheap. That's where I see it. So it's any of those teams that need a wide receiver one, like you guys, like my Patriots. There's all these teams that, hey, they have to do the little things here or there. And then I know there's the Daniel Jones conversation, but we'll see what happens. I still feel like he'll get a deal to where it's team-friendly, but he, I don't see him making... Like my thing for him was like 25 to 30. And for everyone saying like, oh, that's a lot. I'm like, that's, that's just going right for quarterbacks. Like he's not going to be, yeah. hey, sign a blank check and here you go. Like Hurts and Burrow are probably going to get. And I'd even say Justin Herbert gets that too. I know for everyone, oh, but he had the playoff thing. Yeah, Justin Herbert's a top five quarterback in this league. You can fight me on that. Okay. Um, a guy like him, he just needs to be like, hey, this. But then at the same time too, when you look at Saquon Barkley, if in my perfect world, I give Jones the extension, but I franchise Barkley. Just because we don't know if his last season was a one-off. Plus two, you see everything with running backs in that situation. Cause if you look at like the last 10 years of Super Bowl champions, all the running backs are making either 2.5 million or less,
1: which is and a crazy yeah, stat. It, I mean, I I think that Barkley has been viewed by ownership as this generational talent from the moment that he showed up. And I think that they're I think that they're thinking that with his injuries, his injuries were not um Conditioning related injuries, yes, he had several of them, but they all kind of fell into the freak accident category. So now that he is healed up and looking a hundred percent, he's now had two years of being mostly injury free. I mean, last year, you know, there were a couple bumps. Well, yeah, last year there were a couple bumps along the way, but he wasn't fully ready for the workload anyway. And this season, he one hundred percent look like himself at full strength. So I think what they might be thinking is this isn't an Ezekiel Elliott situation where he was running to the ground for several years before he signed the big money contract. This is a, all right, we avoided a lot of mileage unintentionally with these injury riddled seasons earlier in his career. And now his mid late twenties are going to be his real prime Because I know that Mara is in love with this guy. He wants him to be a forever giant. He wants to, you know, retire his jersey, ring of honor, all that stuff. He views him as like the face of the franchise. So I think I could see a situation where they both get contracts. And I mean, I, I think that although it's uncommon, we shouldn't disregard the fact that you have had your running backs in this league like Derrick Henry who continue to have produced at a high level up until they hit 30. And especially if the Giants are thinking that they are gearing up to make a serious run at a Super Bowl within the next few years, they're thinking Saquon is the only elite skill position player on this offense and we can't afford to lose him. So, a franchise tag, they may not want to risk him holding out. So, I could see contracts for both of them. And I think, yeah, with Jones. Probably, I could see around $30 million for him. I mean, I know some people might think that that's a little high considering his track record before this, but had a really solid season, looked very comfortable in this offense. And I don't think, I really don't think people realize how much of a compliment it is to a quarterback that he does not suck and that you can play him every single week. You <laughs> cannot say that about most quarterbacks in this league. Think about all these teams that, whether it was due to injuries or poor performance, had a quarterback carousel in 2022.
0: It was a lot, and for anyone out there that's going to say Patriots, no. That was one bad game by the entire team against the Bears. There was never a quarterback controversy there. Um, I want to move on quickly off of the Giants because we got a fan question. I don't know if Dude. you saw this. We got a fan question for the one and only Randy Osga. If you could have anyone perform at the Super Bowl halftime show, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Dead or alive. Oh, man. Um... You know, I, I got to say, and it's, it's definitely personal bias because they're my favorite band, but Metallica, particularly when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco a few years ago and they did the the pre-Super Bowl party, um, it, it was a pre-Super Bowl event, I forgot the exact name of it, but it was that weekend and it was at the San Francisco Giants ballpark, either, either uh, the day before or two days before the Super Bowl, and I was like, man they belong in that stadium on national TV. They'd be perfect. Um, and I, you know, I think about all like the, uh, you know, when they ran through the rock legends that performed uh, for a stretch of like, you know, five, 10 years, I was like, man, that's the one band that they, they never got. They never did the super bowl. Metallica would be perfect. Uh,
0: that was an answer I was going to go with. Um, I'm going to do a two-parter here because there's one that I think has a very good shot at performing. And there's one that I would like to see personally. The One that I think very good shot at performing personally is Taylor Swift, just because you <laughs> like because look, before you say anything, of course, the NFL doesn't look at what their fan base wants. You want when you look at the halftime show, you're targeting the people who that's the only game they watch. The Super Bowl rate they went up from 113 million to 118 just for Rihanna alone. So if you get a person like Taylor Swift in there, that's a name that's really gonna bring in people because you're gonna get all the girls be like. Oh, we have to watch Taylor. Like, like, you know, I saw a lot of people joking, like, can't believe there's an NFL game at a Rihanna concert. So it's like the same sort of logic to where, you know what, bring in that ratings. Cause they know that if you bring in someone like her, it's only going to make it better. Now, as for mine, a band, I would like to have seen perform in the Super Bowl, dead or alive. I'm going to go with the dead option and I'm going to stay in the metal category. I'm going to go with motorhead. I just feel like mm. that would be a show to see. Cause I've heard, Nothing but great about when it comes to Lemmy performing live. Obviously, there's WrestleMania 21, but you like for a whole set where you play various Motorhead songs. I just think that would be a very awesome band experience. The, like just you know a band like Motorhead. Like imagine you play like have them play like time to play like Triple H's theme song as the teams are coming out onto the field too. It's just like you could. Oh, there's just something about metal that would just really amp you up, but then at the, at the same time too, you get everyone being like either I hate this, it's too loud, or who are these guys? But no, Metallica, Motorhead are both excellent options.
1: Oh hell yeah! The Who are these guys thing that now that reminds me of uh, that Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl when the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, popped out um, with Bruno and there was like the, there was a segment of Twitter at the time that was people saying Who are these guys? Why do they look like my dad? And at 21 years old, I felt so. So much older, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's all good, but yeah, that's just the thing with that. To where when you look at it, like I'd be great. I would have said red hot chili peppers, but they've already played, so that's yeah. why I went with, yeah. you know, no,
1: that's true. The, mo- yeah. the motorhead yeah.
0: option, maybe, that'd be great. Um, yes. Um, also, I want to get into a game now that we were going to play. Where look, I told you about this, so as you know, this year was Phoenix, next year is Vegas, and New Orleans, but after that. There are no locations for the Super Bowl have been announced after the next two, so I want us to go back and forth and name a few cities that you think either hey deserve a Super Bowl or you would like to see the Super Bowl go back to. And I'll let you go first.
1: Whoo! Top wow, top of my head. Oh man, I mean honestly, like, and if I had more time about to think about this, I would have come up with something really creative, but. I think that the Super Bowl needs to be at Lambeau or Soldier Field, just because of the, you know, historical value. I mean, I know that it, it, we want warm weather, we want perfect conditions, and blah blah blah. All right, how's that whole turf thing working out for you? Yeah, oh, how, how's the how's the perfect non-weather affected turf working out for you? Play on grass. So we're gonna play on the most historic grass there is. Lambeau Field deserves to host a Super Bowl. It's the most historic field in the freaking league. It's still standing. There's all these new stadiums, and they never replaced Lambeau. They should host a Super Bowl, at least one.
0: You know, that's not, I feel like that's an idea the league would love, but I feel like it's everyone else being like, to get a performer there to like the logistics of it wouldn't work. But at the same time, too, you know what? It's just the iconicness of it. It's the value. It it's like if they were to do WrestleMania again in Madison Square Garden, it's not the biggest venue. But it's just got that feel to it. So it's the same thing too with Lambeau Field. As for Chicago, I do think if they build a new stadium with a dome, they're 100% getting the Super Bowl.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and well, we got to point this out. MetLife Stadium is cold and they hosted the Super Bowl too. So now if you're going to do that, what it comes down to is you think that New York is just a worthy market and a worthy city and little old Green Bay isn't worth your time. So obviously it's not just about the weather.
0: Yeah. Um, my next city is one they hosted recently, but I think because of the circumstances, they deserve another one, and that's Tampa Bay. I think that just because with COVID and everything like that, they didn't get the full Super Bowl experience. The real Super Bowl, yeah. The the real Super Bowl. There's only twenty five thousand fans in there. And like how with WrestleMania thirty six that was canceled due to COVID, thirty-seven when people were allowed back in, they went back to Tampa Bay. Oh, I did not know that. Now I know that. Um So I think for, like, the same circumstances, I think Tampa deserves another shot at getting the Super Bowl. Like, the College Football National Championship, that year, 21, was in Miami with, like, 15,000 people. I think they're getting the championship in 25 or 26. So it's one of those things where I feel like, hey, the NFL is like, look, we owe you one. Because I know now, too, when it comes to the Super Bowl and bidding, before it was, you know, the cities basically had to bid and, like, present this huge package of, like, hey, why you should come to us. Now the NFL says, like, hey – why should we come to you? Instead of them pitching it to them, the NFL basically gives them the question of like, hey, why do you deserve a Super Bowl? And then they explain. So for that reason too, I think Tampa also just because too, like we said, warm weather.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Tampa's likely. I, I think that they're one of those stadiums that's in the rotation. Like they, yeah. the NFL goes there every- Like, like Miami. Yeah, it's like you got Miami, you have New Orleans, you got Tampa. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix. Phoenix, yep, that's in there. I'm sure that LA is gonna be there as well. That's probably gonna they're probably gonna get it every few years. Yeah. They got their kind of like six or seven uh Preferred. I really want to, you know, like I said, if I had more time, I'd do some research and find some like, you know, really exotic, uh, you know, stadiums on like other continents. I mean, I want I want to find if there's like, you know, can we do it in Hawaii? Or can we do it on some other like obscure island where there's like, um, you know, volcanoes in the background or something like that? I want really cool aesthetics. You know, it's like when you when you play like, you know, the sports video games uh, when you're a kid and you have all the like, you know, obscure, like, you know, NHL hits O
0: three three, baby.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm all about the weird
0: venues. I have another one that's never been done before, but I think would be a really, really cool city. And we saw this because they hosted the draft a few years ago. Give me Nashville, Tennessee. Give me the Titans Stadium. I know it would be a little bit cooler, but like you said, New York would do it. And we saw that, look, Nashville went all out for the draft in 2019, and it was a hit. So I think a Super Bowl in Honky Tonk Land and Music City would work perfectly. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and then when I look at other ones like besides there, one that another one that I have that honestly I'm kind of surprised they even hosted more sooner. That's Dallas and AT and T Stadium. I they only have hosted the one since moving into the new stadium. I'm surprised that look they've had more WrestleManias there than Super Bowls. I'm still shocked at that.
1: That's true. They've had they have had three nights of WrestleMania. Yeah, one was a two nighter. Yep, yeah. one of which um, one huh. of those nights I attended. I, oh yeah, uh, oh this past year, no 2016. Oh, 16. Oh, okay, I was at that one
0: too. Yeah, I think that's the only time that you and I have been together, or I've seen you in person, was twenty sixteen. Ah, um, that's
1: right.
0: Yes. So yeah, there. And then when I think it, the only other city I can say where I think they'll they'll get another one eventually because they want one, is San Francisco. Just because I think they want back in the mix because, like we said, the Bay Area sells itself.
1: Yeah. Um. That one's a that one was an interesting one. Just so, you know, seeing that the daytime aesthetic. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it because, you know, they don't have the roof. And uh, it's like, you know, you think, I mean, I remember from when they had WrestleMania there as well, having the, uh, the daytime, you and know. the Undertaker afternoon. come out at five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, going to that mania as well. Um, the John Cena and Rusev match at that show was happening around, I want to say it was like 5.30 or 6 p.m. local time when the sun was at just the right part of the sky and um plus so the san francisco stadium right uh, they basically only built uh, half of an upper deck so the sun being lower i think it ordinarily would be shielded by a normal shaped stadium but because they had you know extra leeway with uh, the shorter wall they're hitting us, you know, directly, and I'm I'm facing it. So I think whenever they zoomed in on the crowd, you could see that everybody's hands were just like this. <laughs> They're doing Christian. They're Christian fans. Yeah, exactly. Blind, couldn't see a thing.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And then when I think other Super Bowls, I'm just like, I, there's no other cities that really come to mind because, like we said, there's everyone in the rotation. I also think Vegas enters that rotation after next year. I'd love to go to be in Vegas with the Super Bowl, but I can only imagine how much hotel rooms are going to cost. So. I think I'm gonna take a
1: pass on that one. One hundred billion dollars.
0: I looked at the draft this past year because I was potentially gonna go to that, but I as soon as I saw the hotel room prices, I was like, no, thank you. So as hey, soon you as know, those...
1: you gotta go hunt for the the you know the deals of the the cheap rooms at like the Luxor or the Circus Circus, <laughs> you know you, you're not gonna be able to stay at the Grand or anything like that. But if you go off the strip,
0: man can hope and dream, can he? Um, But, yeah, that was just something I wanted to do to feel like, hey, where can host a Super Bowl? Because, like, the only other city, by the way, I would put in the rotation is Houston, just because, like, they get – there are certain cities where it's like, hey, we'll go here, but then there are some cities where, like, I feel like the NFL threw them a bone, like, you know, going to New York, going to Indianapolis, going to Houston – not Houston, excuse me, Minneapolis. So, there's that. Um, With wrestling, because I know you want to talk about this, WrestleMania 39, do you have any hopes and expectations at the moment, or are you just thinking, like – where the building is going right now that you're expecting a good two nights
1: um yeah i mean i'm excited to see what direction they decide to take things i think that their approach with um you know Sami Zayn and cody rhodes and roman reigns uh, but what looked uh, i think a few weeks ago like a very uh, curious juggling act i think that there were some people that were thinking oh did they just kind of uh you know, back themselves into another 2014 situation with, you know, with Daniel Bryan and Batista and Randy Orton. And I think that it's very clear now that the dynamic is entirely different. And really, I think it just kind of shows the evolution of pro wrestling where things are more opened up. And I think that companies in general, they, they're aware of what the fans know and what they're feeling. And, it's, you know, it would be clear to the average viewer, you know, you're watching it unfold that it's like, okay, there's multiple stories going on that are both interesting and people just understand that, you know, pro wrestling, it's a living, breathing thing. It's an episodic show and these people are going to cross paths. It's just like you think of, and, you know, switching gears you know, in the world of sports, right. If, you know, this was UFC, you'd have multiple fighters that would be Vying for the championship, you can only have one contender, but it's nice to see with the way the TV's playing out that they're kind of acknowledging that, yeah, like they're Cody and Sammy's paths are intertwining and kind of crossing over. And I think that the way they've framed it, they've gotten to a point where whether Sammy wins or loses at Elimination Chamber, the people are still, you know, very, you know, going to be very much into Cody's journey and recognize him as the rightful contender for WrestleMania. So I think no matter what they do with either guy, I think that right now the, the fan base is at a point where they're excited to see both of them, no matter what they do, because whatever they're doing is compelling. Exactly. That's the thing. Compelling, compelling
0: storylines and compelling storytelling is what you want with wrestling. Uh, going back to football... Before we go, there's a couple things I want to ask you. One, so as you know, we were talking before, there's always teams that you say expect the unexpected, but I want to change it around. I want you to give me a team that people might be a little bit too high on in the NFC that you think might disappoint. But before you do that, is it okay if I go first? Because I have one on the tip of my tongue, even though I don't want to say it.
1: Go uh, uh I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Go say
0: it. Detroit. Det-
1: oh, Detroit. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought you were going to break my heart and say the Giants were frauds.
0: No, no, no. no. I think if you can – I think I I have enough faith and trust in Daniel Jones now to where I know that hey they're going to if they're a 9 or 10 win team again I don't think it's going to be disappointing the Giants fans. With the Detroit Lions I just think it's that team that you know they finally are out of the gutters of the NFL, of the NFL's lore. They're this recognizable team but my thing is can you handle the pressure because last year you were playing a fourth place schedule now you're getting bumped up and playing I believe a second place schedule if I'm not mistaken to where can you handle the magnitude of the situation you're put in? You know we were saying, like, oh, the Eagles, you take advantage of what you have by playing the schedule you have? My thing is, because Detroit's going to need to steal games, not just in-division games, you're going to have to go to these, like, let's look up, Let's. I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to look up their schedule. And I'm not knocking the Detroit Lions. I'm just thinking, will the spotlight be a little too big? Will... They be a team that like, hey, they can handle the pressure because right now when I look at the teams in the NFC North, there's only one team that I don't trust at the moment to do anything. And with the Detroit Lions, let me, if you give me a quick second as I scroll, I was going to say something really weird that would give me a podcast. title. I'm not going to do that. Um, oh my God, it's taking forever. So I am so sorry, folks. But you know what? We do things on the fly here on YWC Football Talk.
1: That's right.
0: This is live action, baby. Live action, baby. So in 2023, they play the NFC South, so that's to their credit, but they play Seattle, Dallas, the AFC West, and the Ravens. There are some games in there you're going to have to steal. Like You can't just be that team where it's like, hey, we went out there and we gave our best effort. We did this. So my question for them is, will the spotlight be too big? That's just the big question mm-hmm. I have for them going into the next year, where they're the, that America's Sweetheart Darling team, like last year with Hard Knocks, and they got off to a 1-6 and six start. So that's why I'm just saying, like, where can they – like, will they improve? Like, I can see it, but they're, at the same time, too, I can see them at both ends of the spectrum.
1: Right. Um, I mean, I see that with Detroit. Um, I was kind of impressed by them, as were most people. I think that the last couple of years, I've kind of been looking at the way Detroit's team has been coming together thinking, like – Wow, you know, this team, you know, they they're not as good as the teams that they're playing, but I feel like there's the potential here for something decent because objectively I'm looking at this roster and I'm seeing a lot of talent here.
0: There's a brotherhood. And
1: yeah, it's definitely heavy on the offensive side of the ball. Um defensively, they just, you know, there there are guys up front, you know, that can make plays for sure, but they just give up a ton of points every single week they're in a Chiefs style game really where every game is a shootout and that's fine if you have the best quarterback in the yeah. NFL and <laughs> the the Lions they, they don't have like that offense where they can you know just snatch victory from the jaws of defeat every single week it's like you pointed out they're gonna have to steal games that being said I'm gonna give them a chance with this offseason and see if they can take another step to develop this team because I think the Packers are heading in regression mode. Even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I don't really see how the situation improves all that much. So it could be the Lions and the Packers once again being neck and neck. And also we've known that the Vikings are a very hot and cold kind of team. They're not the type of team that dominates year in and year out, despite the talent that they have. Offensively, you know Justin Jefferson, best receiver. Speaking of getting paid, yep, yeah, right, yeah, a guy that deserves it. But I mean, the Vikings are another team where, like, I mean, hey, as the season went on, I mean, this is a team that first half the season, people were like, oh wow, the Vikings, they're like, they, this is different. This is not your usual Vikings team. They are for real. And then as the season goes on, I mean. Um, I think part, you know, part of it is like, you know, people, you know, not want to give my team any credit, but they're like, everyone knows the Vikings are terrible. Their defense, they can't stop a nosebleed. So with taking that into consideration, they could regress to that nine to 10 win level um, or even eight next year, just because that's just what they do. When, When you're a team that doesn't have a dominant defense, anybody can score on you. And naturally, if the game kind of unfolds where it's last team with the ball, you are screwed. So I could see the NFC North turning into a little bit of a, dog, a scrappy dog fight next season with Detroit now kind of planting themselves firmly in the mix and then also with the Bears if they're able to add some pieces I mean this could be they could all kind of be chipping away at one another so I'm not really I'm I'm not really ready to write any team in that division off I mean I mean if any to answer your question yeah That would be regression mode, probably the Vikings, because of all the reasons I just listed. You know, whenever you're seeing a team kind of falter down the stretch like they did this year and just fall apart on one side of the football, hard for me to say that they're going to win 13 games two years in a row.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that with the Vikings. I think if even next year they had an 11 and six year, because with them, like their record in one score games was like 11 and one. And like sometimes with teams like, There are some teams that, hey, they're just good. They just can't win games. That was the opposite of the Vikings. The Vikings managed to win a lot of these close games. They had close games. Hell, Christmas Eve, they had to kick a 63-yard field goal to beat you guys. They had to have uh, dumb ref calls to beat us. They beat the Jets, like, by five. Mm -hmm. There's all these games that come to mind where it's like, hey, you got away with a lot of stuff last year to where if you do that again next, if if things don't go your way next year, your season could go down the drain very, very quickly. The only other team I would say that could potentially happen to is Seattle, just because I feel like how last year everyone was like, it's a cool Geno Smith, you know, we wrote him off, but I ain't called back yet, uh, or they I, they wrote us off, but uh, or we didn't call back, whatever he said. I can see a similar world to where, you know, Seattle, it's that year where everyone's thinking, hey, they can actually be halfway decent, but then they kind of like fall, they falter a bit, so I can see that, but... You know what? He is gone. I don't know what happened, folks. Uh Jared, uh mysteriously, I ran out of time. I guess I have to Venmo him or cash app him some more money. Um, And then for the AFC, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to give a T. I'm going to give you – oh, he's back. He is back. Oh, so, I don't know what. Sorry.
1: Know. Lost my cam. Had to just restart to get it going. So we're good. It's
0: all good in the hood. Um, And then for – because when
1: I when, I was gonna say this too, because like you
0: can give a team that like hey was bad but can't do better. My other team I was saying I could see being you know a little wonky next year is Seattle, just because how you know last year there was that Geno Smith expression like I ain't right back. I think it's it, you can see a world with Seattle to where people are like hey this team could be good, but then they kind of falter down a little bit, kind of like what happened to Arizona this past year.
1: Sure, no, yeah. it's uh.
0: Ooh. did I'm we lose? So- Oh, folks, this podcast uh, can you is hear falling to the seams. Yeah. I can hear you. So if you want to stay off camera for the rest of this episode, it is completely fine. Yeah,
1: my cam is just uh, acting funny. But, um, yeah, no, to your point, though, um, Seattle might not be entirely sustainable.
0: Talking right now for dead I air. because a lot we're... of
1: people see a team that's just headed toward, you know, all right, the last nail in the coffin is they need to find is find another home for Cooper Cup and just blow the entire thing to pieces. But at the end of the day, this is still a Super Bowl-winning coach. This is still a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Um, a And not just that, but it wasn't just a one-off. You know, this is a team that was, you know, making the playoffs, uh, you know, in the, year, in the years leading up to it. So when you have – I mean, that's really what kind of happened with Seattle if you think about it, where, you know – And some of the skilled players were still there. It was enough for him to figure out how to win some of these games, even if it wasn't as dominant in years past. There was still enough of that winning culture left in the tank to elevate the team to reach the playoffs. So I could see the Rams having a bit of a bounce back year next year. Especially, you know, I mean, with finishing 5-12, and you had all these injuries. There's nowhere to go but up, I think, particularly if they were able to rediscover their running game. So I could see a step back for Seattle. San Francisco will be an interesting one as well, just because, um, you know, this is another team as good as they were quarterback crisis. Usually they are the exceptions to the rule in terms of a team that had a quarterback carousel and had not only a good season, but a dominant season. Usually teams that have an uncertain quarterback situation don't do too well in this league, but they've obviously got so much talent they could cover for it. But I'm interested to see what they do if they are sticking with Brock Purdy. If they want to give Trey Lance another shot, it was a high pick that you gave up a lot of capital for. So it it'll be interesting. But obviously, you gotta you gotta consider them the division favorites. But there's not so much certainty there as you would think.
0: Hundred percent, I agree with San Francisco. Just, just too, you did lose your defensive coordinator and Tamiko Ryan. Steve Wilkes is in there now. He is a leader for men, but at the same time, too, you just don't know what's going to happen there. And then moving to the AFC, um, a team that I can see improving, even though, look, you kind of don't want to root for the guy because of what happened, but you can't write off the Cleveland Browns. I think they're going to be a much better team in twenty twenty three. I'm not here to say they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a team that you definitely keep your eye out for. They're definitely going to be that team that you know, hey. They're gonna come out of the gates hot. They're gonna be that team, like you know what? No one suspects because everyone's looking towards like you know, Cincinnati, Buffalo, um, Kansas City, LA, because like outside of the three of the four I just mentioned, the it's, it's open season in the AFC. So when I think of a team that I think could surprise some people, I like how you're saying the Rams can bounce back, I think Cleveland can bounce back. And when I look for a disappointment, I want to say Pittsburgh, but I'm not going to just because you can't. You, I don't want to count out Mike Tomlin. But a team that I'm going to say, the New York Jets. Because I still think that we're going to be in a world where their fans are expecting Aaron Rodgers. It's how do we get Aaron Rodgers? Because I honestly think Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, and I think they're going to end up with like Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr. And I just don't know what to think about it because everyone's saying, too, like, oh, it's like these guys' chances to shine. But at the same time, too – This is a year where management has to make a big move, especially with the way that last season ended. Plus, I'll say this too, and I know Jets fans, one in particular that we both know is going to hate me for saying this, but it's the truth. They got to beat the New England Patriots this year. It's a team they have not beaten now since 2015. I'm sorry. You got to get that monkey off of your back if you want to go far. There's just certain things you have to do to get past it. It's like this year with Miami. Miami, it was you got to beat Buffalo. Buffalo's run your show for a few years now. Josh Allen's unstoppable against you. What did they do? They beat Josh Allen, and then they almost beat him again in the playoffs. So for the New York Jets, you want to go far? Beat the team and beat the coach that's caused you so much havoc over the last seven years, and if not, countless more with Bill Belichick.
1: Yep, no, uh, for sure. Um, The Jets are – yeah, I think that you're on the right track with the fact that they're going to get one of those capable mid-tier veterans, which, hey, with the amount of talent that they have on the team on both sides of the ball, maybe that's enough. Maybe not enough for them to be a great team, not enough for them to beat out the Bills, not enough for them to compete for the division or a top seed or anything like that, but it could be enough for a playoff run if they're able to get ahead of the Patriots and they might have to get ahead of the Dolphins too, which can be very challenging. The Dolphins are in a very interesting moment in time right now. They're Pandora's box
0: in a way. Hmm? Do you know what Pandora's box is? Pandora's box? Yeah. Yeah. You know there's oh. a box. You don't know what's in the box. You have to right. open it up to find yep. out. Yep. That's, yep. that's the Miami Dolphins, essentially. Yep. I want, I'm, I'm going to get <laughs> Big right on to talk about it because, like, with Tua, this team is great. This defense, look, they had a lot of injuries next year. If they can stay healthy, they can go a long way. I had a hair in my mouth. But, yeah, that's how I view Miami right now. And as for Buffalo, look, they'll be fine. It's just I wouldn't pump the Super Bowl expectations on them just because when we did that last year, a lot went awry, and we learned in the playoffs, this team has a lot they need. And I'll say this right now, when comparing the two teams, I think the Patriots are in a much better spot than the Jets because they have quarterback figured out. Uh, And I'll say this right now about Mac. I'll say this about Mac. I'll say this all offseason. If he can come out this year and be league average, I think he's their guy going forward. But if he has the same struggles that he had last year, we'll learn quickly either, I think, hey, if it was coaching or if it's – just Max not cut. Max not cut out to be the guy.
1: Yep. I mean, I think that like the Patriots. If you're bring Patriots and Jets right now, the yeah. Patriots have more stability but less flash. And it's the opposite with the Jets, where yes, more flash, less stability. There is more attractive upside with the Jets, just because you look at Sauce Gardner, amazing rookie campaign, a lot of other recent talent out there. You know, like Garrett Quinn Wilson. Wilson. Up front, you know, and then on offense, obviously, you've got a potentially really, really good one two punch with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Brees Hall when he was healthy, looked phenomenal. I have a take about him. Yeah.
0: This is a fantasy football take. I don't buy stock in him for 2024, 20, 23, excuse me. I wait till 24. Same thing with Kyler Murray. Obviously, Kyler Murray is going to be bat- out a lot le- longer than Brees Hall. But look at what happened with Saquon in 21. He wasn't himself, and then this year he exploded. Uh, The one thing I've learned with guys in ACLs, give them a year to get back to their form. So I think with Brees Hall, Javante Williams, guys like that who had really good 2022s, who were very promising players, who unfortunately took injuries. Look, they got derailed by torn ACLs. Give those guys another year. So I think if you're looking for the Jets this year, rely on guys like James Robinson and Michael Carter. But that's just me. They can go out there and shock the world, but
1: I just – I'm bullish on Brees stock at the moment. Hey, don't, for, don't forget about Zonovan Knight, Ty Johnson, more so uh, Zonovan. But, I mean, that yeah. was – hey, th- this was a team that, after Brees went down, really just goes to show this is where the league is at in terms of the running game. It is so much a culture, scheme, committee – You know, when a team, when they have the system in place for running the ball, that's why you see these teams when they experience running back injuries, usually they don't fall apart completely in terms of the running game. Sure, it is less when you are talking about going from a high-level running back to a mid-level running back. But because it's so integrated in their offensive system and what they like to do, so many times we are able to see those underneath backs come in and still produce at a decent, you know, a decent segment of that same capacity. Yeah, it, we see this with the when the Rams in recent years, the Ravens are a great example of this year in and year out because they they use so many different running backs that when one goes down, they've gotten guys out of you know uh, the scrap heap that come in and have decent performances. I think the Jets were honestly, at that level last year where they were still in the playoff hunt until very late in the season and the running game never went away completely.
0: If only the quarterback had accountability, it'd be a much different situation with New York where your team... Because I, I still think that for like... As, you can say what you want on Zach Wilson's play. I think if he had taken responsibility for that loss to the Patriots, the one where it was the most boring game of the year, I think that, you know what? he's He's still there. And by the way, another team, I'm going to say this right now, I don't look at the Colts as a team that's going to do anything. And if you're a team looking for wide receivers, or if you're looking for any other positions, go pick that carcass apart. That's what yeah, I'm
1: I would say, yeah, start calling. The, I'm almost thinking like you know the Giants might want to give the Colts a call about Michael Pittman or something because it, this is a team that just seems to be like you know they, they need to enter like you know total rebuild uh, tear down mode. I mean, or I, I'm honestly Jacksonville might run away with that division next year if they're able to fortify some pieces just because. It's clear looking across the board. I mean, Tennessee, obviously, Derrick Henry doesn't really have a lot of time left. Um, Indianapolis and Houston are several years away. Can I get a take about Houston? Yep,
0: I think they're more. Com- I think they're a competitive team sooner than later. I think honestly, they have a very Detroit Lion esque feel to them. That once they get the right mm-hmm. pieces in there, you're yeah. going to get to D'Amico Ryan's. It's he's. I feel like he's going to become one of those coaches that you're going to want to play for. Not like kind of like what we saw with Dan Campbell. You know where look, you may not have the best players, but the players that are there buy into what you're selling. I think this year for them, they win four games or five. That's a W for them in that program. That's only a win or two more than last year, but I definitely think they're going to be that team that, you know what? They're going to come at you and they're going to make your life. You're you're not going to escape. You're basically, what I'm trying to say is playing them, you're not going to escape with a W as easy as you think. Even this coming season, I think. I think that, the way D'Amico Ryan's works, and the fact too, that he's going to be able to build the staff the way he wants, plus two, they did give him a six-year contract, and usually that means, hey, we do believe that you can turn the ship around. I think Houston is i I'm not saying I'm not out here saying Houston's going to be good
1: next year. I still think they're going to have like a top ten pick in 2024. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, this is a team that was competitive with the Cowboys, competitive with the Chiefs, went to overtime with the Chiefs. I mean, they they definitely seem like a team where, yeah, sure, on paper, this looks like one of the least talented rosters in the NFL. It's the I island All of Miss toys. They were even competitive with the Eagles for part of that game. But yeah, yeah that's just they hung around. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that they kind of they're going to thrive off the low expectations, and it's definitely a coaching upgrade for them with Nico Ryan. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I see them beating out the Colts. I think the Colts are in last place next season yeah. at the division, and yeah, the Texans could be uh, just you know a few years away, a few pieces away. Yeah, and then the other team I st- like I was
0: saying earlier with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I got something I got to show you because uh, man, Jonathan Gannon. New head coach there uh, had a very, very weird video when it came to his where uh, because. Oh, oh, no, never mind. I got to go to I got to go to Twitter for it. So basically, he came out here and said, like, you know, what coaches go like, hey, guys, like, can't wait to get started and all this stuff like this. Basically, Jonathan Ganning came out and did something very, very similar in his. uh, Oh. Right here. I don't know if you can hear this or not, but for the podcast audience, I'm going to put it right next to my mic.
1: What's up, Bird Gang?
0: Jonathan Gannon, your new head coach, Arizona Cardinals. Ready to get to work. Buckle up. We're going to have some fun. See you soon. What's up, Bird Gang? Basically, he was just saying, like, but it's just the way he said it. It doesn't look like a guy that, like, buys hype. I think he's a guy that if the Arizona Cardinals don't have it turned around by 24 or 25, he's going to be a scapegoat fire.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, that that's the situation that I thought Kafka was going to walk into, and I'm I'm just glad for his sake and for our sake that he didn't go that route. Um, I mean, Braun. but then again, then again, the initial head coach comments can be kind of misleading sometimes. I mean, I think that uh, Nick Sirianni's uh, introductory press conference for the Eagles was uh, a meme basically. I mean, that that guy, like you know, he had a lot of gems in terms of his quotes there. People thought like, oh my, oh my God, like what have the Eagles done? Um, And uh, go figure—they just, you know, played the Super Bowl a couple days ago, so anything can happen.
0: And then you had Dan Campbell talking about biting kneecaps off and stuff like that. So yeah, and and the other thing too is I don't know if you saw this, but Brian Flores commented on why he didn't take the Cardinals job, and he said it was just a gut feeling. And then now he's the DC for the Minnesota Vikings. So look, when your gut tells you something, like I, I I hate to admit it, because look, when you have teams that are already, you already know they're going to be bad. That's just a shitty spot to be in. And we're only three days into the offseason. Mm-hmm. But folks, don't expect that train to stop anytime soon because we have the Underwear Olympics in two weeks. We have free agency, we have trades, and draft season is here. For those of you who don't know, the Underwear Olympics are what I call the NFL combine because effectively you get to watch a bunch of men run around in ah, right. skin tight Under Armour and just run. And I, if you ever seen the video of Mike Mayox saying, look at that bubble butt. <laughs> i i have not i have not i'm, I'm gonna send it to you afterwards you have to watch it like i was showing people and they couldn't even believe it was real he's basically saying like look at his form he's like look at that bubble butt and it was like i think it was greg robinson in 2014 at the combine and he just said this so i'm just like oh my god but you know what i for as much as i love the nfl season the nfl offseason is a land of fun and opportunity because you can we can talk and spew takes that in seven months we'll either look smart for or we'll look completely stupid so it's just the start of what's going to be a great offseason here of YWC football talk.
1: Yep. No, there is the football has the widest window of offseason speculation of any sport, just because, I mean, it's staggered with all of these events and it seems to stretch on for an unfathomable amount of time. I mean, just because it, it literally does eat up the entire year. And especially if your team doesn't make the playoffs from the onset of the new year, you are waiting close to nine months for football <laughs> for your team. And uh, yeah, no. It, uh, but if honestly, it does fly by. Just with all of the, you know, it's it staggered. Next thing, you know, before you know it, the draft is come and gone. Mini camp begins, and uh, preseason, you know, turns up in the summer.
0: Exactly. We only have five months to go till we're all there, but we're going to be here covering it all. You're going to see Jared again. You're going to see other people from the YWC back again. You're going to see a lot of people here, folks, because the train never stops rolling on the tracks. But anyway, guys, have a good night. And we'll see you guys next time on YWC Football Talk presented by Cryer Media.